and welcome to the Thinking Not Podcast. I'm Cap, and I'm joined by my good friend, A. Charles. It's the middle of summer, Charlie, and I feel like I need electrolytes just to walk out to the mailbox. How are you beating the heat these days? I stay inside and uh, am grateful. Oh, okay. I, I go out very early in the morning, uh, like 3.30 in the morning. And oh, gosh. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's not going to help many people. That's right. I, it's time to spill your secret. So, listeners, Charlie is a wonder of hydration. We'd play two hours of tennis in the heat of the day, and I'd go through four shirts and a gallon of water, and Charlie would never take a drink. And I could never understand it until one day he took his shirt off and I saw two humps on his back. (laughs) He has been genetically modified to store water like a camel. This guy is a scientific marvel. Seriously, Charlie, how did you you do that? That was crazy. (laughs) Training. (laughs) I believe that. All right. Well, I hope you're well hydrated and ready for some rapid fire responses today because we're throwing 10 brightly colored cards on the table and making a rainbow just for you, Charlie. A reading rainbow. Because today's episode is the July edition of 10 Random Cards. You ready, Charlie? All set. All right, Charlie's ready to ride the rainbow, and I'm ready to find the pot of golden nuggets that's waiting at the end of Charlie's responses. So let's grab a cup of coffee and chat. The Thinking Knot is a podcast developed to help those who are trying to become better, a little bit better today than yesterday. It is an honest dialogue about the real-life challenges we each encounter as intention meets obstacle in the course of an every day. In our conversation, we weigh rational thought against our gut feeling of what is right, and we forge a path together using what is in our hearts if we can all just awaken and get into rhythm with that beat. Thanks for joining today's discussion. Okay, so let's remind listeners how we play the game. I have 10 cards spread on the table, brightly colored cards, I might add. On each card is written a prompt from one of five categories. The categories are current events, reaction to a reading, personal, what would Charlie do, and finally, quizzical query, which frequently these days come from our listeners. Charles picks one. I read it and then sit back and ponder whether the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock was written expressly for me while Charlie dispenses peaches of pithy content. All right, Charlie, I'm putting 40 minutes on the timer. Get us started by picking a brightly colored card. There we go. Ah, he picked green. And this is a question. And this one actually comes from a listener. I've rephrased it and edited it a little bit, but it says... You suggested in the happiness episode that Trump wasn't happy. I don't see it that way. At the risk of using a label, which I normally would hesitate to do, there is such a thing as a sociopathic narcissist who doesn't feel guilt or unhappiness from his actions. I actually think that Trump delights in being mean. Do you believe there are people who are hopelessly or unchangeably bad? My experience has been uh, the answer is no. I do not believe that someone is uh, bad. I believe that they can be so deeply misguided as to not even see it themselves. 
But if they had time and love, and I don't know if I have that for everyone, but uh, with enough time and love, I think that each of us would yield to consistent and patient and gentle loving would ease all of that poison and toxin and neurosis and and trappedness that is necessarily your world now. It's gotten smaller and smaller and smaller, and now it is all you have is you. It's you against the rest of the universe. That's why you can't be happy. So just to clarify, you don't think there's such a thing as someone who is bad or evil. Correct. Not in this human form. I mean, we, we, we do act out our wounds. We act out our traumas. We act out our institutionalized pain. We act out our nightmares. There's lots of things we act out. But underneath all of that acting out is a tortured soul. And that soul is not bad. It's in pain. And when that pain, and the only thing that it's in pain about is it feels deeply and totally unloved. But when that pain is seen as false, that the love is what's real, then that soul knows that too. And it's never been bad. It's just been in pain. So I'm going to play devil's advocate as my usual role here. Of course. Do you not think that Trump feels a ton of love from the people who financially are supporting him by sending contributions and who follow him and who believe in his... Conspiracy theories? Cap, uh, again, they can call it what they want. They can call it they love him. He can feel they just love me. But that what that feeling is, has never really been love. <laughs> never been called love, never recognized as love. It's a lot of different things. But love is not one of them. There's greed, there's ambition, there's power, there's opportunity, there's lots of things involved there that makes their relationship symbiotic and mutually transactionally beneficial until it's not and then it ends because there's no love there. Once they've used each other up. Oh, well, you've seen that over and over again, right? With people in Trump's orbit. Where's the love? Yeah. There's no just ask, there. just plain doze yeah. and allow, uh, of course. But I just again, I shrug my shoulders because oh, I hold that truth to be self-evident. But okay, I'll kind of flesh it out. Okay, all right, pick another card. All righty, I'm going to do green again. Wow, double green day. Okay, uh, so this also is listener generated. It's a question, quizzical query. Yeah, put it down. No, 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 no. This this is good. Which means I'm going to get zinged. No, no, no. There were a couple of comments that 
you and I received about our happiness episode along the lines of we were negligent and not observing that we are coming from a place of privilege and we have the freedom to not pursue happiness because we're comfortable in our security. Our basic needs are met. So first, let me apologize to listeners for any oversight in that regard. But Charlie, you defined happiness as being true to yourself, which you can achieve no matter what your social status is or your circumstances, I would think. Obviously, if you're living on the street or don't have enough to eat, it impacts the way you look at life. But what do you say to the people who think you can't be happy until all of your basic needs are met? Are they right? No, that's what they believe. So I don't have any right to tell them that they're wrong. That's what they believe. I say if I were on the streets, I'm not sure I would believe that. Is there anything about living on the streets that you like? Is there anything in your day that makes you smile? Now, I know you're cold. I know you're hungry. I know you're scared. I know you're living by your wit's end. I know all of that. And I know you're in pain. And that you feel like this is where you either deserve or somehow ended up. And it's as baffling to you as it is to all of us. And yet, I want you to know that you're not unloved, you're not broken, you're not a wasted life. It's really different than what you thought it was going to be. And we have a hard time with it. Good-hearted people have a hard time seeing you suffer. But when I sit and talk with you, and I do, and I have, and I will still... Some of you find great goodness in your situations. Some of you have great kindness towards one another. Some of you share more generously than some of the richest people I've ever met. So there's a, there's a tapestry of real humanity that happens in places that privileged people may not suspect. All right, Charlie, pick another card. Green again. Oh, wow. He is in a green mood today. No, I want to see what you did with green. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This is a personal question about you personally. Do you believe in assisted suicide in the case of someone who has a life-threatening illness? I believe that life is a choice. And I believe that if you have with assisted, competent, caring people around you have discussed uh, how you would like to end your suffering and or your condition uh, with dignity. I believe you have that right. I, I, I was curious because of your somewhat Catholic upbringing, um, how that might affect your view on that. But interesting. Well, Listen, all I would say is uh, I have seen people learn things about themselves through uh, discomfort and suffering. I have seen other people learn things about life in general and themselves by watching someone else suffer, not in a voyeuristic way, but in a compassionate openness, like break my heart open kind of way. So I don't know what purpose 
your suffering may serve. But I do know that if you're done with it, you should have the right to be done with it. All right. Uh, Tough to do anything more with that one. So, Charlie, pick another card. We'll do. We've run out of greens. Yellow. All right. What would Charlie do? You are in line at the Starbucks drive-thru, the bastion of white privilege. And the person in the car in front of you pays for your coffee. Do you pass it along to the car behind or do you use that money to help someone who really needs it? No, I honk and flash my brights and run that motherfucker down. (laughs) (laughs) But only to say thank you. Okay. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) What more? Seriously. Whatever I'd like to do in that moment, I'm free to do. If I want to accept it and say thank you to the universe, I do so. If I want to say pass it on, I do so. If I want to say pass on for the next 20, I do so. I'm free. (laughs) So is my coffee. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I've never seen him so happy. Let's do yellow. (laughs) All right. Going yellow again. Another what would Charlie do? Man, I'm learning more about you than me. (laughs) You're having a conversation with someone you just met. And you said something that a minute after you say it, you sense rubbed them the wrong way. Do you go back and clean it up or do you just let it go? Yeah, I don't know what I'm cleaning up. So uh, I don't even know what rubbed wrong way is, but it's all good. I mean, I get a sense like, ooh, that landed funny. Right, exactly. Something like that. Yes. Okay, so... So right away, I don't feel like I'm in conflict, but I just go, ooh, okay. So I can't go right. Why would I go right to that? Like if that was an ouchie or, or a, a, I got your attention or something hit, wait. Wait and see what happens next. Because I can't assume I just have to now. I'm on notice. I'd like to pay attention. I've gotten your attention somehow, and I'm not quite sure how. But I want to make sure I am not coming at you, even though you felt something from me that perhaps I didn't intend, but there it was. So, okay, now I'm in a minefield of some dimension. I don't know what it is, but I do know that I'm not going to keep stepping around, blowing things up, saying, does this hurt? Does that hurt? What about this? It's like, no, it's more like, okay, let's see. Let's see if this rises to the level of saying something. And if it doesn't, let's just notice what it was that got the reaction. What did I say that got that reaction? And just remember, there's a sensitivity issue there. I don't know what it is. I don't need to know right now because I just met you. But I saw it. I'll remember that. It's okay. Good. All right. Yellow. Going again. back to yellow. He's going through the colors. I am. All right. This is personal. Man, we're we're really honing in on Charlie today. <laughs> <laughs> Can you share an experience from your life when something happened that you couldn't explain, but you felt like it was something amazing or special? My initial reaction was this podcast. But for the sake of this podcast, um, 
I have ceased going through my life trying to explain it. So all the goodness that I experience is inexplicable to me. I will. You know, that's interesting because I would think it would be the most explicable of anything. You put love out there and love comes back to you. It has nothing to do with me. That has everything to do with you. Yeah, I'm not sure if I believe that because you're the one who put the love out there to begin with. If there was nothing to bounce it back, it would just keep going. I have to think about that for a while. I think you will. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right. (laughs) All right. Which color are you going to transition to? Going orange. All right. Reaction to a reading. So these are passages that I have read recently and would be interested in your thoughts. So uh, this is a quote that I came across in a book called How Magicians Think by Joshua Jay. And completely off topic, but I'm going to, I haven't told you this yet, but I'm going to Tuscany with Joshua next May. Oh my. And I can't wait, but that's neither here nor there. The quote is actually, although it was in Joshua's book, the quote's actually from Aaron Morgenstern, who's the, she's an artist and she's also the author of a book called Night Circus, which was a really fun uh, and fantastical read. Uh, Here's the quote. Sharing secrets, real secrets, important ones, with even one other person will change them. So the secret changes when you share it with someone else. Has that been your experience? Oh, completely. There's uh, alchemy in uh, sharing. There's a give and take, an interaction that happens uh, along the words, apart from the words, in the tone of voice, in the cadence, in the eye contact. There's there's a lot that's going on that when I bring it into uh, our conversation, it enriches both of us. It helps us say that like every moment has a lot packed in it and we're just like picking like the little stuff to kind of like nitpick at it. And really the whole of it is pretty kind of cool, but it's just like, Oh, could we just like move that a little bit over this way or this, you know, in a conversation, so to speak, as opposed to, ah, that doesn't really matter. And, or, you know, we keep our focus on what it is we are pulling back and forth in between each other, the magic of connection mm-hmm. creates a bond that I can't explain, but I can't deny. I call it love. So I do think that I, I agree. I think secrets change when you share them for a lot of different reasons. Um, I think part of the reason sometimes secrets are secrets is because you feel a shame around them. Not always, but there are certain secrets that you feel a shame around. And I think sharing those with people that can give you love back helps remove some of that stigma or guilt or whatever from it. So I agree. All right. Are you going orange again? Well, now that you said it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've, oh, see, now he breaks his pattern. 
All right. This is a current event. And I will tell listeners, we have three cards left. And only about 20 minutes that we have been doing this so far. So we may actually get through all 10 cards for the very first time ever. I'm just trying to stretch this out. So. This is He just put the broadcaster's booth jinx on us. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Current event. So I was watching the news one morning. And there was a story of an unarmed black man having been shot 60 times by police in Ohio. And at the same time, on the crawl below the video, you know how they have that crawl that goes around, was a story of Michigan police officers using images of a black man for their target practice. So meanwhile, in Florida, teachers are allowed to bring guns to school, but aren't allowed to say anything about race for fear of making a young white child uncomfortable. And so my question on this current event is twofold. First, WTF. Second, isn't it nice that systemic racism is no longer an issue so we can focus on more important things like conspiracy theories? I've made him speechless. (laughs) Next card, please. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I'm not going there. (laughs) Okay. Charlie's not taking the bait today. All right. So we're going to switch to a uh, different current event, which is um, probably just as bad. Um, But there is some some real value in um, the question here. So uh, this has been on here for a while, Charlie, because you didn't join me on the Uvalde uh, episode because of health precautions. So while we haven't talked about it on the podcast per se, we texted a little bit back and forth about it. But even you and I haven't gone in depth on this. Uh, since then, of course, we've had plenty more mass shootings. So my question to you is, how do you process these things? And is there anything you do specifically to help you heal from the emotional upheaval or do you just have yourself trained to not feel that emotional upheaval? And I don't mean, I don't mean that in a callous way, but. There is no uh, glib way to talk about senseless loss. So what it's going to take is for people to come to their senses. Now we're going to do this individually. We're going to have to do this soul searching by soul searching. If you want to wrap yourself around a flag and start shooting from there, okay. But I don't think that that's the country that... um, we were supposed to be arming ourselves against. We were supposed to be arming ourselves against people who wanted to take away our freedoms. And the people who are uh, shooting, taking away our freedom of, uh, our sense of security, our sense of uh, decency, our sense of courage in the face of what is obviously liars and lunacy. And 
it has called us up short and asked us, do we really mean what we tell ourselves we believe in? And that means we have to take action. I don't know what action that will take, but it won't be taking up guns against guns. But it will be everyone asking themselves, is this the best we can do? Is return to the wild, wild west. This is it. This is how far we came. This is what the Constitution was written to do. Okay. This is our land. We're free to f*** it up. But we're also free to do better. It's gonna take us taking action. But personal action. And that would include going to vote. That would include helping someone else vote. That would include saying anyone who did not recognize the legitimacy of this last election should be disqualified from holding office because that was undemocratic. We have democratic ways to contest disputes. And they have even stacked those against equal justice. And we feel that goodness in our hearts feels like this, this has gotten out of hand. If so, stand up. You don't have to knock anybody down to stand up. Just stand up and say, not, not. That to me is how we grassroot it. Because our leadership has been co-opted. Yeah. Do you, you know, for six years I've watched as the media has tried to remain part of polite society. And in polite society, you don't call someone a liar. And so they've come up with all sorts of euphemisms for uh, this. And Lying has a connotation that can immediately put somebody on the defensive. But are we at a point where we need to call a lie a lie? Or is that still too harsh? We have always been at that point. We stopped doing that. We stopped holding people accountable. We stopped honoring honesty and started thinking, oh, if he could get away with it, maybe I could. That's just how it rolls. So when we stopped holding ourselves accountable, not by criticism, but by honesty, if I make an honest mistake, I own it. I tell you. And if you say, well, then you can't be CEO. Well, then you can't be CEO. But just be honest. 
But if you say, if I lie and I can remain CEO, and people who are under you know that you're lying because they're in on the lie, that's what we have learned is complicit, is also lying. Not being forthcoming is withholding. Withholding is lying when we deserve the truth. Who deserves the truth? You deserve the truth. I deserve the truth. We are grown-ups. We can handle UFOs. We can handle the truth. Don't deal the truth out telling yourselves, I can't handle it. What you can't handle is the truth. I can handle the truth just fine. Okay. All right, Charlie, there's one card left on the table. And I'm going to put it in my minutes, back pocket and take it home. Nine minutes left on the clock. This is a reaction to a reading. Oh, you better let me read this one. This next quote? <laughs> You're going to answer it. <laughs> no, 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 oh, no. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh here we go. Both, this is role reversal. <laughs> this okay, is allowed. Okay, I accept the challenge. This is a reaction to a reading. This People next tune quote in to hear what you want to what you say. Uh, 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 you're speaking a lot. They must be listening to you too. Oh no. <laughs> this next quote is from one of my favorite nonfiction books of all times. I'm not going to tell you the name of the book right now. I'm going to save that for our last show of the season. But I'd like to get your reaction to the quote. <sighs> <laughs> you just opened up a book. <laughs> This Would you like me to read that? No, this is not funny. <laughs> this was supposed to be like really short because what I just read was like, oh, I'll reaction to a reading. Oh, this is huge. Hold on. I think you have to grow up twice. The first time happens automatically. Everyone passes from childhood to adulthood. <laughs> and this transition is marked as much by the moment when the weight of the world overshadows the wonder of the world as it is by the passage of years. Usually you don't get to choose when it happens. But if this triumph of weight over wonder marks the first passage into adulthood, the second is a rediscovery of that wonder. Despite sickness, evil, fear, sadness, suffering. Despite everything. And this second passage doesn't just happen on its own. It's a choice. Not an inevitability. It's something you have to deliberately go out to find and value and protect. And you can't just do it once and keep it forever. You have to keep looking. So my reaction to this, <laughs> since you threw it at me, so my reaction is obviously I like it because I put it, I put it in the uh, in the show. That was not obvious. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the here's the thing, Charlie. 
two things that come to mind on this passage from, from this book. I believe that we do experience wonder differently as a child as we do as an adult. And as an adult, we sometimes grow immune to wonder. And so what I love about this quote is that we have to be intentional. We have to once again notice the wonder that is in the world around us, whether it's one of the whirly gigs falling from a maple tree into a front yard or uh, whether it's uh, what I saw this weekend as Kim and I were, were working in the yard and we kept hearing birds squawking and squawking and squawking. And we figured that there must be a hawk nearby that they were trying to scare off. And we eventually went and investigated and watched as from one end of the the yard all the way to the back of the yard, these birds would hop from tree to tree, squawking and squawking and squawking. There was a snake on the ground that they were following all the way down until it got out of their territory and warning others and trying to get the snake to go away. So there are wonders that are out there for us to see every day, and we become somewhat immune to them. But the other thing that this passage reminded me of is something that you and I talked about for one of our recent podcasts, the one on happiness, but we never got into the show. And that was this concept from Buddhist philosophy about um, kind of the different stages of life. And this one stage of life, and I don't recall what it's called right now, but this one stage of life is when you go off into the forest and it's done around the age of 50. And it's to essentially start your life over again and enter this period of reflection, which now that you've had some experiences, now that you have had things happen to you in life, it's important to reconnect with who you are. And so you go into the forest and you refine who you really are. And uh, that is certainly a path that I have been on in my later years. Uh, and part of what has made it so enjoyable to me is, and I have always been one to, to appreciate wonder for as long as I remember. I mean, you know, even when I was um, traveling 46 weeks a year, uh, and at one point of that, there was a lot of international travel involved. And it was one moment of wonder to the next as you experience different cultures and um, different habits from around the world. So I've always been open to that, but I have understood the importance of seeking it out and working to be more open to it in my later years than I was as a, as a busy, young, career-minded person. Mm. I feel like you might be a little happier. 
I am much happier. I am much happier. All right, my friend. So we actually went this the very first time we got through all 10 cards. So congratulations. You are mastering this art form that we call (laughs) podcasting. (laughs) If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share it with 10 random people. Then put your feet up on a shady Chase Lounge and cool down with a tall glass of iced tea and fresh lemonade. After all, we can't all be camel people. Make sure to give thanks to Arnold Palmer for being a trendsetter. And then pull out your phone and rate, follow or subscribe, and review The Thinking Knot. You can find more of Charles's writings on his blog at owningourselves.com and more of my work at liveforwonder.com. Thanks for listening. We hope your journey is filled with wonder and that today brings 10 random good thoughts to mind. They're probably there if you just silence the noise that's keeping you from hearing them. Be good to each other.